2: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsline here in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Allison Lucan is with us back home in Seabus.
0: Not in Florida, where it's warm. And
2: so is Tom, who does not want to be in Florida. No, I don't want to be here. It's too warm here. The <laughs>
3: winter has just absolutely sucked this point in Columbus. It better pick up its game. That's all I can tell
2: you. Wow. Well, uh, that goes perfect segue. The Blue Jackets uh, have reached the midpoint of their season. They play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight, a huge test for them. We'll get to that uh, in a bit. Uh, but let's look back at the first part of the season. It's It strikes me as similar to their last season um, in that it, it's the season that a, five years ago this franchise would have killed for. And now I feel like we're we're judging things under a, a um a different microscope where it's not just about them, it's about their place in this division. And really, are there signs, have we seen anything in the first half of the season that would suggest they're ready to move ahead of Pittsburgh or Washington in the Metro, much less compete with say Tampa, uh Boston on the on, in the other division and when we get into the the meaty part of the season, the playoffs, it's an interesting uh run here they've had some stretch i mean right now they're on this a, a stretch of play where where you go geez, you know there's seven two and one in their last ten that's pretty good I mean, nobody thinks they're playing very well um on the whole they played pretty well against Florida, but they haven't elevated i guess is my my issue and I'm wondering where you guys come in on that. 24 14 and 3. They're right there with Washington 3 points back in the Metro. They're right behind Pittsburgh. They're just ahead of the Islanders. But it feels like they're on pace for 102 points, but it feels like a, a bit of a mixed bag for me and I'm wondering where you guys came in on that. Tom, you want to go first?
3: Well, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a sign of maturity of the fan base that Uh, maturing fan base, that this is no longer just like, uh, you know, as you mentioned years ago, people would have killed to have this kind of stretch. But now after two consecutive uh, first round flameouts in the playoffs, this is how a majority of fan base always feels during the course of, I think, all the time, because they always want their team to be better. And I think one of the real disservices of the the Doug McLean era was the Blue Jackets never got to experience this. So this is really still all new for finally having a good team. Even when Scott Housen took them to the playoffs the first time, it wasn't, it, it wasn't sustainable. This is the Blue Jackets' first sustainable run at success. Right. And it's, it's, it, it, for a lot of teams, it's very rarely do you have that success and then, boom, it happens. Look how long, for me to bring, start this whole conversation on Downer, but look how long it took Washington to finally win a Stanley Cup. And they've been in the playoffs tons and tons of times. And we know how those Washington fans every spring were like, oh, my God, not again, not again. I think this is a little bit what the Blue Jackets fans are going through now. It's like, all right, yeah, we're 7-2-1, and one, but we can't, we can't beat any of these good teams. We haven't right. got anywhere. Well, yeah, this is, I think this is, this is the way fans are, and that's perfectly natural. It, it's perfectly natural to feel that way. That you look at your team and say, "God, they're doing really well," but I don't think they could beat Pittsburgh. Look how good Pittsburgh's playing. Look how good Washington's playing. We're not going right. to be able to beat those. That's that's
2: natural to me. Yeah, Allison. Do they feel different to you than last year? At is there any reason to think it's different right now?
0: Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I, I I do think it's a little different, and I think I think Tom's points are are great. I mean, this is, it's kind of weird for this organization and and this fan base to go through this because. Honestly, it's quite delayed from most franchises compared to when they start. Um, but, you know, when, when you look at what, how this team is playing and what's going on, and we've talked about this a million times, and I'll be doing my guidepost kind of monthly check-in here Thursday, and we'll talk about this there too, but <clears throat> this is a team that is, is perhaps showing its weakest ability to limit chances against. Um, in terms of recent play and particularly when we talk about identity which we've done so much for this team that's a big change right I mean this is a team that usually was known for keeping opponents at bay having challenges against the really high end skill but keeping opponents at bay for the most part and the struggle was to score and when we look at how this team is performing this year offensively they're almost outperforming how they're finishing, they're outperforming a little bit, their shooting percentage. It's the defensive measures that just aren't as strong this year and I think that that translates into when you take in a game that translates to a different perception than particularly what you're just used to watching this team regardless if they were really good or really bad.
2: Yeah, I think in, I think before they got good, they were only measured against themselves. For sure in other words, where does this rank? Uh, oh, this is the best start in franchise history and all that sort of stuff. And that stuff seems sort of meaningless now. This is their second best first half ever. Uh, but I don't know that that registers with people because I think what people are seeing now is they're measuring them against the best. And so if you're a Blue Jackets fan and you look at this team, you think I, I think you're thinking, well, what's changed from last year that would suggest they can get past Washington? What has changed that would convince you they can get past Pittsburgh? And so for me, there's, they're like, and I laid this out earlier in the week, there are like three different ways, I think, you look at this team and you say in the playoffs, well, the one thing that could change that would make a big difference is for goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky to be really, really good. And we've belabored this point, perhaps. He hasn't been great in the playoffs. That's one thing that could change that could affect the Blue Jackets' outcome. Another thing is, how do you beat Washington? How do you beat Pittsburgh? You don't have you, – you cannot match their litany of stars. You just can't. So the way you have to answer that is by being significantly deeper offensively to have scoring from four different lines. Those lines, because they've got so many stars, they are by design not as strong in the bottom two lines and maybe the third pair. So you have to be able to use your depth of scoring – your depth of play to, to, over the course of a series, make a difference against that team. Or you can play with a level of competitive spirit that is impossible for other teams to match. And I, I don't see, we certainly don't see the scoring depth. Like Bjorkstrand hasn't really happened. Uh, Wenberg hasn't happened. Boone Jenner has not gotten back to the 30 goals. So that's sort of second wave, there, there are some good stories there for sure. Uh, Dubois has been fantastic. Uh, Cam Atkinson is elevated. But there's not a second wave of scoring there that would allow them to sort of trade blows with the Washingtons or the Pittsburghs. And frankly, I, I don't see on a regular basis that relentless, driving, hard-to-play-against style that they used to have. Um, that says, boy, this this is a tough physical matchup for any team. They don't feel like a tough physical matchup for teams now, and and so that that's why for me it just it feels like very much like last year where it's sort of a spinning wheels um, scenario where you're waiting for the younger guys to to take off and sort of push things to a higher level. Am I, Allison, any thoughts on my rant there?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think <clears throat> in some ways we're all saying the same thing right i mean tough to play against means you're not letting the other team get chances and yeah. they are now letting teams get more chances and it's 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 literally almost removing the advantages that the offensive developments have gained right so you're making offensive gains at the high end you're not backing it up with depth and then you're sapping that advantage with defensive weakness compared to previous years so it's it it, it i always get kind of nervous and it's funny I, I was sharing something on on twitter earlier and someone responded and said oh my gosh does this mean i was like yes that's that's what this means <laughs> that's that's what this balance that they're playing between what they're giving up defensively versus what they're creating offensively is yeah. is a is a tedious line to walk
2: Tom, i anything there
3: uh, no, I mean, you, I think you covered it pretty pretty well. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I don't think Bobrowski was was as bad last year as he was the year with Pittsburgh. And I and I would say that part of the other issue is you now Washington lost some players, but you know they they were really deep in the playoffs last year. That that was part of the issue, yeah, and I think it was very fitting uh, that Lars Eller who scored off the, obviously the biggest goal of the series against the blue jackets also ended up scoring the Stanley cup winning goal because right. uh, they did have depth uh, last year in the playoffs. That was uh, I thought was got them through the series against Pittsburgh. I mean, and now, now we look at Jacob Verona. He's been a good player, but he was moving up for uh, they, they moved a kid like Jake Verona up in the lineup um, when Backstrom got hurt. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, Yes, I think I think maybe maybe you could still get a better goal goaltending goal from Sergei Bobrovsky, but it, 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 I, I I'm not saying that they can't win a round because I, I do believe that, that that's a possibility. It's just it's um it's hard to see a scenario where they win two rounds. This is just at this point. Things yeah. could change. Uh again, things could change. We'll see what this team looks like after February twenty fifth. I think that's when you really start to hone in and say this is a, a team that can win a couple rounds, or this is a team that's going to be make another quick exit
0: well, and yeah. let's let's be honest too. I mean, I give full credit to Washington for winning last year, but I don't know that they were the consensus best team last year, regular season. Oh, I think right? that, I
3: think they were the best team going into the playoffs. I, I really do. I think if you watch their last twenty five games, they, that was a much, much different Washington team. They may not have been the consensus, but I think they were much better than in years past. And you, oh, his, for sure. Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov was an entirely different player than he had been in years past. And that, To me, he was the guy that pushed them over the edge. And everyone talked about Ovechkin, and good for him, he won his cup. But uh, Kuznetsov, again, I, broken record. When you have centers that can play. It's It it changes the whole it's dynamic.
0: But my bigger point is that there is always an element of crazy luck that comes into this postseason conversation as well. And, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's crazy to, it's almost crazy to th- think that we know what may or may not happen I just don't want us to be totally doom and gloom because who's to say something really ridiculous could happen. Bob could play out of his mind who, you know, everyone starts scoring. The power play actually starts scoring and they win. They get to the conference final. Who's to say, I don't know. I just think it. that kind of stuff still does happen a little bit.
2: Yeah. That's a lot of things.
0: I'm not saying they'll all happen. One of them could happen. (laughs) How many times have people talked about the goal that went off the post instead of going in in game three? So for, for sure. everyone who talked about that, imagine that it did go in. That's the kind of crazy thing I'm talking about.
2: The other thing, too, is there's such, it, there's such a curiosity about what this team is going to look like. Tom, to your point, on February 26th, is Brett here? Is Bob here? If they're not here, who? I think Bob, Bob is going to be here. I'm almost sure of that. But if Panarin is traded, who's coming, who's coming back and how does that change the look of this team? Um. And and if you remember, it was it was uh, the the whole the team is winning and nobody's happy last year too. And there wasn't really a sense of of wow, this team is dangerous until the night of the trade deadline when Vanek showed up and Ian Cole showed up. Yes, great game against Washington. You're like, holy crap, maybe they can do this. Like that was impressive. Um, so maybe we're just waiting for that moment. This year, but there, there's a lot to be sorted out between now and February 25th that I think could change this conversation significantly. So, anyways, um, and, uh, one guy that that is so interesting because he has been such a heart and soul player on this team, maybe the heart and soul player on this team though, since he was traded here from the Rangers. Brandon Dubinsky is in such a different role this year, and it's a role that I think a lot, of, a lot of veteran players may not uh, handle – well, he has been marginalized. Let's not kid ourselves. He still has an important role, but his minutes are way down. And I'm not sure how some veterans would handle the job of going out to win the face-off to start overtime and then get off the ice as soon as you can because we've got a better player that we need to put out there in your place. Um, but that's where Dubinsky's at, wrote a piece about it today, how he has spoken with some of his uh, friends in the league, many of them retired now, uh, Scott Hartnell, Scott Gomez, just about handling these sort of latter-day career moments. Um, Allison, what are you seeing from Brandon Dubinsky and how uh, impressed or not are you with, with the way that he's played and the way he's handled an, a new role from coach John Tortorella.
0: Yeah. I, I I mean, he's, he certainly handled it well and I, he has drawn notice to himself in the right ways, more nights than not this season for me, particularly compared to last year. And you know, it, it it is important to note that um, he's playing against a different level of competition, right? he's not only has fewer minutes, but his, the people he's lining up against are a different level than he may have historically. And that is allowing him to shine. And perhaps that is going to lead to continued building confidence and continued performance that, that does move him up in the lineup. And, and even if it doesn't, I think that's good. I think it's good for the player to, he, he certainly wants more minutes, but he, he has to be pleased with how he's playing in those minutes that he gets versus how he was playing in the minutes he got last year. Right. And, and that's, I think good for him. This is, One of the few years where he's just not hemorrhaging shots against and chances against, which had kind of been the ongoing trend in in his play of late. And if, if this is the role in which he succeeds, this is the role in which he succeeds. Better this than to be in a role in which you do not succeed, because I think that Dubinsky, like most of these guys, would say at the end of the day, if we all win... Like yeah, I'm 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 okay with it. I will figure out a way to be okay with it. And this this is what Torts did to Letesto as well last year. Remember, he'd do the same thing, trot him out for a face off and then pull him right off for, for Dubois or whomever to get on and, and play the rest of the shift.
2: Yeah. I loved um Dubinsky's comment about Dubois. Yeah. Where he basically said, Well, I'd be would be stupid or selfish or whatever he said. To even suggest that I should be taking minutes away from that kid because he's our best he's our best centerman. And by a mile, didn't he say? By no, a the, mile. End
3: the, the end of the sentence was very telling to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, about not just Dubinsky but the whole lot of them.
3: Right, exactly.
2: Um yeah, I mean let me find it here. It was uh it was interesting. I I just I'm I'm amazed that because I do think Dubinsky's changed a little bit this season. I feel like he is, I feel like he's a better player than he was last year, even though he's getting smaller minutes. And I keep, I keep thinking, and I've been corrected by both the coach and the player on this, that the coach is pacing him for sort of a crescendo role here um, as the season moves along. In other words, as this thing starts to get heated up, you're going to see more. Uh, you're going to see more Dubinsky in big moments and in big roles playing larger minutes. But Tortorella was like, nope. I mean, only if, only if he deserves it. There is no grand plan here. Uh, and Dubinsky said the same thing. So if, I, if I was playing better right now, I would be getting 30 minutes. Not just, he wouldn't be pacing me. Uh, Dubinsky says, as much as I want more, I can't sit here and say I should be playing more than PL. That's Pierre-Luc Dubois or that I should have any of his ice time. He's our best center by a mile, in my opinion, and we need him to be too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's a, it reminded me of the quote that, uh, Torts had the other day about the He's our best number one center. And it really pisses me off that some of the other guys haven't, uh, haven't, uh, challenged him to paraphrasing a little bit, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Dubinsky's done well in the role that he's been given. It's funny. He's, he's seventh on the team in number of shifts uh, for, for forwards, uh, but he's well down as you documented in minutes. So there's a lot of times we see him out there for faceoffs, uh, and then he gets off for the line. I think it's been terrific by the coaches to do that. It's the only neutral. Uh, and when I say to do that, to start in overtime, it's the only neutral zone face-off of consequence in a game. If it gets to overtime and the the last two have produced very quick wins, I think against the Rangers, they did it. And I noticed you said there was a third time. I wasn't aware that there was a third one, but I remember the last two and yeah, you start with possession Uh, in both cases, neither the Rangers, I don't think nor um, in the game the other night, uh, the the team even had the puck. No. So uh, that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good idea by the coaches They've used him in a lot of these situations. Heck, we've even seen him. They've tried him a couple times on the power play. I mean, just to try to win a faceoff, as Allison laid out a couple weeks ago in her her piece on the on the on the power play and how they never start with the puck. So, you know, they're trying him in all different roles, and I think he's, you know, I think he's 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 doing his job uh, relative to what they're asking him to do.
2: It is it is amazing. Like, all right, you're good enough to do this, but then seriously, get off really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be if you took that the wrong way, that could be hard to swallow as a. Uh,
3: and again, I think a lot of it has to be obviously put in the context of what his last season was about and how how yeah. how much you know we, we it's been well documented all of his problems last season, and to at least get back to this where he's he is functioning in a role and, and and doing it pretty well is to to me is still a step in the right direction
2: for him personally. Yeah. Yeah. So the Blue Jackets tonight. With the Lightning 7:30 start, um, I, I think the Blue Jackets had better hope to get a, off to a fast start. The, the Lightning played in San Jose, I believe, on Sunday. Yes. Uh, so they're the team coming west to east now, and 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 look, you know, going from San Jose to Tampa is a lot worse than going from San Jose to Columbus. Uh, that is a monster flight. Terrible. Oh, and so. You know, if you're looking for a way to sort of slow the lightning down, maybe the Blue Jackets can hope that that's one of them. But what a stretch of play here the rest of the week for the Blue Jackets. At Tampa tonight, they host Nashville on Thursday. Remember how much they used to hate Nashville? And that's one of the teams I miss not being in the West anymore. And then Saturday at Washington. So arguably, I think this might be three division leaders in a row. Is that? Yes, that's right. Three division leaders in a row. Um, So, a really good, really good stretch of play. Do not ask John Tortorella (laughs) if this is a measuring stick game, for it is not. Um, But I have a sense if they come through these next three games pretty well, people are going to feel a lot better about the Blue Jackets. Allison?
0: Yeah, and I want to correct I, I told you it was Sunday, it was Saturday. Um, and the, the other thing that, that I was like, oh, here we go is that Tampa Bay lost that game to San Jose. So, (laughs) you know, so they're going to come in, they're going to be fired up. Um, but yes, I think that I, I do think this is a measuring stick week, regardless of what he says. Um, and, and honestly, even should they not get the outcome that they want in any way, shape or form, I'm going to be interested to see how they respond after this, right? Because okay. they're going to take three big bouts here, and even if they take three big hits, the the response is going to be just as interesting to me as what happens these next three games.
2: Yeah. Including that San Jose loss, the Lightning are 23-1 and since November 13th. They've lost back-to-back games. Only once this season. How wacky is this league? To Ottawa and Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but since then, twenty three and one. And my God, can they score? I mean, you look up and down their sheet, and there's a bunch of seven, sixes, and fives there. So this will be a, a test. Tom, what are you looking for over these next few games from the mighty Blue Jackets?
3: Yeah, it's again. They've they've um, they they. I guess the my my big thing, big takeaway was how they do against these better teams. Uh, They have not, you know, I I think they they've split. Or they they were one and two against Toronto this year. They've 0-1 against Tampa, one and one or one and two against Washington, 0-1 against Pittsburgh. And again, these are the teams you're going to have to beat eventually in the playoffs. And regular season the playoffs really have nothing to do with necessarily with each other on the whole. But uh, you want to see them. Play well, and and I think also front office as they're looking as they're eyeing uh, February, uh, late February in the trade deadline, probably be very interested to see how they compete against some of these teams uh, as well.
2: Yeah, win over Vegas earlier this year, win over Toronto earlier this year, a uh, win in Washington earlier this year, but it, it this does feel like a club that needs a a marquee victory or a couple of them. Maybe that's part of it too. Like you're beating the the, the Devils and the Flyers and the Rangers and stuff. Te- Ottawa teams that are down right now. Um, yeah, I mean, would that does that change perception to you if they get out of this week okay, Allison? Do you-
0: oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I, you know, and and we've seen it in in comments on on some of our pieces. You know, they they don't win the games they're not supposed to. They don't they don't come up to that next level of competition and and. I understand that perception. It's a, it is meaningful to beat a team like a Tampa Bay, like a Nashville, like a Washington, and if they can do it, if they can, if they, well, I don't want to undersell this team. I don't want to disrespect them, but I mean, three points out of these three games, mm. I, th- I, that would that would tell me something about this team. I think.
2: Nice. So six weeks from the NHL trade deadline. Uh, it's starting to come into, I, I think if, 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 uh, you are of the group that believes Panarin is not likely to stick around in town, is not likely to sign an extension with the blue jackets and therefore will be traded it's starting to come into focus now that, that he has 10 home games left in nationwide. If, if that's the way that this goes. So, uh, the season is starting to build here. Um, just, as the second half dawns. So blue jackets tonight at Tampa Bay, uh, we'll have a, a post game wrap. Um, I'll try to create another great, but can we talk a Tom, moment about,
0: yeah, let's did, Tom. Yeah. Did you see the oh, angle on that post- video? It was, Insane.
2: It was, it was unbelievable. You, you'll probably
3: win some kind of award for that. I would say
2: what a landscape. If only you could blurt out the person talking in that video, the, the shot was wonderful.
0: I think um, I'm going to start grading them. That'll be my contribution it, on Twitter as I will grade the, the visual quality of each video.
2: Well, Half the, ch- half the challenge of this is trying to find a spot where you can do it, where you're not bothering other people that are on deadline.
0: Eh, who cares? And
2: who, wh- where was I? Oh, in New York, at, at the garden, trying to set it up. And I had, I couldn't, this, this might get boring here, but I couldn't use the tripod because of the way that the table was configured. Long Long explanation. So I had like two empty popcorn boxes stacked <laughs> oh. and, and my phone leaning on it. And I get about a minute and a half into it, and a very well-intended cleaning person comes by oh, no. and grabs both boxes, and there goes the video. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like,
3: oh.
2: So we had to recreate that situation. But it, it's always interesting.
0: Maybe at the end of the season, we'll share some behind the scenes, what our, what our setups look like, because we, we've had some creative ones.
2: I hope there's a lot more to talk about than that, I'll be honest with you.
0: It would be an addition. It's like bonus content. It's the outtakes. <laughs>
2: Yes, outtakes. Um, all right, uh, anything, Allison, where are the, the Bucks and women's Buckeyes teams at? Oh, every,
0: everybody's home this weekend, and it's definitely a uh, play to check out. The men are playing that team up north. Michigan uh, will be coming into town. Ohio State swept the Wolverines five games last year, including um, in Gosh. the Big Ten playoffs. So uh, those will be fun games Friday and Saturday, and then the women are hosting – Huge matchup against the number one team, uh, Wisconsin. So Mm. great, great local hockey happening
3: this weekend. That's
2: awesome. Tom, anything to add to the wrap up here?
3: No, I think we've covered everything. It was a a good
2: podcast. (laughs) Best in the business for, for good reason. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading our stuff. Thanks for subscribing, of course. And we will be back. This is Tuesday. We'll be back with you on Friday. and we'll talk to you then.
1: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub